This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Hey everyone, I'm Nate from the Full Mutuality Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Jessica, Kathleen, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions that they came from, please feel free to hop on into the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episodes of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking the link in the top banner. See you there. All right. Okay. Welcome to the Thereafter Podcast, a place where we explore life on the other side of faith change. We're here to break down the binaries, deconstruct the dualities, and wander through what it looks like to live in the gray. In church, we were told that life after leaving would be a bitter wasteland of unfulfilling hedonism, but we've discovered quite the opposite. There's actually a vibrant community of people on the other side of faith who are finding and co-creating space for hope and healing. Come along as we explore the all too often uncharted expanse of evangelicalism, evolving faith, and the life thereafter. We're back. We're back. Another episode, a mini-sode of the Thereafter podcast on our mid-season break in between season three and season four. We're doing periodic mini episodes where Megan and I just hang out and chat about the current happenings. Pretty much weekly, but every once in a while not. So Yeah. We weren't here last week. It just didn't work out. And we're and and I think the way that we're both thinking about it is like we'd like to be here weekly. I like hanging out and recording. Um but it's summer and shit happens. So it may not be weekly. I wanna just like set everyone's expectations correctly. <laughs> Yeah, but as much as we can record, our listeners I love doing these. Like set their alarm on Tuesday mornings and are just like pressing yeah. refresh on whatever their podcast platform is to wait for yeah. that new episode to load. So we're just, you know, if that's you, thank you. And also Jared. it might not be every um <laughs> I, I just have to say how much I love Jared's live tweeting for episodes. It's it's amazing and also like makes me kind of reflect a little bit because sometimes like and I love because he's honest and and um if there's something to push back on, he isn't afraid to do that. And that's what I love about the community because I feel like I want that pushback. I want that feedback. I want to hear like, I don't know if I agree with that piece. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, let's have that dialogue. Yes. I'm a fan of it too. It's 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 my fave. So we love Jared. Should we get into Twitbits? Sure, let's talk about it. Twitbits. Yeah. Um, 
your your screen went really blurry when you said that. So it looked like you just exploded, <laughs> splattered across the camera. <laughs> You're a, like twippets, and it was like. <laughs> It's a video effect that I'm trying out. Just, just, just for you though, because we're not a video podcast, exactly. so I'm just using effects just for your experience of recording with me. I'm going to also use like sound drops and some various other things that aren't going to make it to the episode. They're just to enrich your recording experience. Oh, great, here, yes. Megan. Uh, which is funny because I like I'm sitting here and I just did like a photo shoot and I have full hair and makeup done just for Cortland apparently. <laughs> just for just for me, I'm a lucky man. <laughs> Very excited to be here with the done up Megan. I was like, wait, who? No, you look like you. I have eyelashes for miles. Um, but you look any- great. Thanks. Um, anyway, I, you've taken a little bit of a break, pull back from the socials. Let's hear about that before we launch into dive into all the happenings on Twitter. Yeah, we were talking about that before we started recording because typically I come in like prepped with uh, opinions about this course. Do you like, do happening. either of us ever do that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not like I don't have notes. I don't have like note cards, but like I've been on. Typically, I've been on Twitter and I've participated yes. in yes. discourse and I've you know I've got thoughts. I don't know what's happening on Twitter. Like, like I've seen a couple screenshots. I've chatted with a couple of people who have told me things that that have been going on, but. I my my I don't know what my actual screen time is and I don't know how to look because I like intentionally never learned how to use that feature of my phone because I didn't want to ever really know how much I was on Twitter. Um yeah. but it's down. I mean, I've probably been on Twitter in the last 2 weeks, maybe 15 minutes tops uh, over the whole 2 weeks. Um gotten on a couple times to post and just let people know that I'm not uh dead, I'm not disappeared and I don't want to lose touch with people, but I needed to take some space. It's summer. Things are busy. Work has been really busy. And I, I actually just did an episode. I don't know when it's going to come out. I just did an episode of Mandy K parts podcast last week. Oh, I love Mandy. I do too. Um, she, she was like, Hey, come on the podcast. And we didn't really know what we were going to talk about. Um, because I don't have like a niche niche, a niche? Ni- niche. I don't know what the word is. I've niche? recently, I've recently been corrected. Strongly. I think corrected. it's either way. I, no, I, don't I think always that thought that is. too. And now I have a, a new job where I'll be giving presentations, and and mm-hmm. I kind of said like, oh, I just use either, and somebody was like, no, it's it's niche. You kind of need to just say it niche. <laughs> I think Abraham Piper needs to do a video about this because yes. I think that it could be either, and and he's like known his my favorite videos that he does is like combating grammar police okay you know what i have dm'd him multiple times to ask him on the podcast i've tagged him in tweets i think if i dm him or tag him in a grammar tweet maybe i'll get his his attention attention. it could it could that's a good plan if we have him on the podcast uh the first question will be is it it niche or niche. I just don't like um, saying niche. I feel like I sound pretentious. <laughs> I just want to say niche because it sounds like, well, that's what it looks like, and I'm not French. So, yes. Well, and I, anyway, we're going to get really off topic. Sorry. I have a lot I'm that I could say so about that. <laughs> so, so I don't have, I don't have a, a, a niche. Um, so I was like, I don't know what we were going to talk about, but we ended up talking about social burnout and oh, okay. uh, boundaries and all that sort of thing because that's kind of like what I am experiencing currently. And I have a very, so like, I won't get super into it. You can go listen to that episode whenever it comes out. I have a very high relational like bandwidth. 
uh, social bandwidth. So like I regularly like in a place of health can find myself having 20, 30, 40 different social interactions in a day, every day for long periods of time. So I obviously have my spouse, I have other partners, I have, you know, you back in that I'm talking to usually every day. I have a lot of, you know, close internet friends. I'm in several Discord servers. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I have some people I chat with on WhatsApp. I have some people I chat with on Signal. I've got some folks that I Snapchat with. Uh, I have a ton of different ways that I interact with people. And there's crossover between those different platforms. And I, you know, dating apps and, you know, matching with people on dating apps, which is another thing. I'm, I'm, I'm usually like making new friends and maintaining relationships, uh, in lots of different places in addition to just my family and work and my kid's school and all that sort of stuff too. So usually most of that is like very, uh, energizing for me, but there is just a point where it, like I hit like a burnout and then oftentimes it's like just overwhelm. So I just had this point a couple weeks ago where I was like, I have 258 unlistened to voicemails that go oh, back shit. like two, two and a half years. Like, like I'm never going to listen to them. I need to just delete them. Yep. I did it today. I have zero voicemails. Good for you. Uh, I had like 1900 and something emails in my personal email. I have the thereafter email as well. I have my work email. Um, I'm trying to keep up obviously with lots of different people, Patreons and Substacks and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, I had like 17 plus unread Instagram DMs. I had like 10 plus unread Twitter DMs. I was just like in this place and then I was very behind with some work projects and I was just like, I, why, why am I feeling this way like what is the 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 core thing that keep like makes me live this way usually it's good but <laughs> yes. like when it's not good like why am i continuing to just feel overwhelmed and just just totally behind because that's how i was feeling like i'm just i i have over 390 like never send me a tiktok i think it may be over 400 now 400 plus tiktoks that people have sent me like, I'm never going to watch. Like, I'm never, yeah. I'm just never going to watch any TikTok anyone ever sends me, ever, never send me a TikTok. Um, and and the reality is, like, most people who's who are interacting with me socially are not necessarily requiring attention or response. But I think I'm just wired up to, like, if someone sends me a TikTok, I want to watch it, be thoughtful about it, respond. You know, like, I'm the type of person that wants to thoughtfully engage in all of those different social interactions and it's very hard for me to have them sit uh unresponded to and it puts a lot of social pressure so i just deleted all social apps off my phone um and decided like hey when i have a chance to get on my laptop and check twitter or instagram or whatever i will and i may answer some things but like the most important people have my number, can text me. You know, I kept my messaging app, so I have WhatsApp and Snapchat because I have, like, conversations in there. But just the broad social apps, I'm just taking a break. And uh, I think my fear is that, like, I'm going to be forgotten. 
Oh, yeah. I think is what what like Mandy and I, as we did podcast interview slash group therapy. Uh, I it think is that like that's, therapy when when you do a podcast interview with Mandy. Yeah, I think that that's that's the main fear, and I'm like, you know, hey, uh, I'm not going to be forgotten. The people will 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 be around, and I I don't have this like no one's put like that responsibility on me to like constantly create and constantly engage and whatever I need to make sure I have some space. So summer for me is like, I feel like when we get into season four in the fall, I'd like to be in a place where I can engage more regularly on our discord and whatever. It's like our patrons, right? I feel Mm -hmm. like, Oh man, people support us. People are patrons and they're supporting what we're doing and they're in the discord server and I need to be engaged with their lives. And I really want to be, I just have to get to a better place of like personal yeah, that's super fair. And I think so. people are understanding because I know there's been times even with you, you've reached out like we had a rhythm. You kind of go off grid on the weekends and you'll reach out if I text you a couple times on the weekend and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I would always say, like, don't ever apologize, like go off grid, do that. Like, that's great for your mental health, for your self-care. Like I am not if it's important, I'll call you or if, you know, I, I'm not like, you know, where's Cortland? So I think I think and I think people understand that. But I do understand that that piece of having this narrative in your head or this inner critic that lives in you that kind of tells you like, this is what people expect of you. So you better show up. Um, but on that same vein, I did tweet out something this week. Um, so this is connected, um, but it's All also right, tell me about it. right? And I, I tweeted out a thread about how frustrating it is sometimes to have the experience of people not understanding why Twitter friendships are so important because Um, sometimes I'll be, you know, be somewhere with someone and people will be like, how do you all know each other? And you're like through Twitter and you can kind of see that or hear sometimes that a little bit of judgment in their voice or in their face, like, Oh, really? Like you met on Twitter, you know? And I've had that multiple times where it's like, I think there's a level of privilege in never having to have had to like connect with people across the internet because you don't feel seen or heard in your real life in certain ways. And so I think that people maybe don't understand that. And even if that's not why people are connected, even if you're just connected because you have the same hobbies and, or you, you know, have the same interests, like, like, I I just feel like I wanted to validate, like, that is a real connection. This isn't just like, oh, you know, I met someone on the internet. Because I think that was stigmatized for so long. Like, don't go meeting people on the internet. And um, and some of my best friends are people I've met on Twitter or in Clubhouse or in places where we've had some real deep conversations. And I don't know folks that aren't on Twitter. I just think that maybe they don't understand that the dynamic that happens. Or folks that are casually on Twitter that go on to, like, you know, see some headlines and updates and news and stuff. And you're just like, okay, well, I get where you may not realize how people connect that way, but come to our Twitter spaces and here are conversations that we're having live every Tuesday morning. And then ask yourself like, oh, I see, like, this is a pretty important community that is being formed. And, and when I go out and and run races in different cities, or I happen to be in different places for work, like there's a reason why I try to be intentional about connecting with folks that live in those places in person that we've had these like really solid connections with um, online for a year or two. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is, there is a lot of 
things that this hits for me. And I'll start by saying, like, I think to some extent I was the other person. I was the person who didn't have a lot of internet friends. Mm. I've always I've always connected network wise pretty broadly back back in my uh, evangelical celebrity days. I well, you were you church know, was, planting, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> trying to, to connect with other church planters and other people, pastors and ministry leaders and youth pastors and blah, 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 online. Um, more vocationally, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, for networking purposes, um, authors and, you know, people who, so I, you know, I people met people. You can't see your air quotes, Carla. <laughs> He's like, said, you're like yeah, networking doing, in air quotes. <laughs> I said authors. I think I did authors in the air quotes. A lot of authors, air quotes. Um, but that's that's my air I would, quotes. I would air like, quotes a lot of those authors. Like, yeah, <laughs> pastors self published yeah. a collection of sermons and then and then bought a thousand copies and called yeah. themselves a bestseller. Uh, so yeah, so I I I had experience with that sort of kind of surface level connection with people that's more like occupational, um, but not really personal. My mm. my spouse, my wife. Um, connected with a lot of people online relationally and had good friends that she had met through the internet, like kind of her whole life. That was like a main way that she met people going all the way back. I think she still has a friend who she talks to regularly, like somewhat regularly who she met in like a Yahoo chat room mm. who lives in like Europe somewhere or something. I you was know, like, like that with AOL and messenger and AOL. Like I started back yeah. then meeting people. And I, I always I, I didn't consciously devalue, but I, I do think I kind of was like, oh, yeah, I have so many in real life friends, like the Internet friends that she had or that other people had. I didn't necessarily value them. It wasn't until COVID and lockdown happened that like actual relational connection through the Internet became a big part of my life and something mm. where I was like, oh, these are really I met you at that time. I met like so many of like my closest friends, like one of my partners, like all of these people who have become like real relationships, real friendships. Uh, I met through Twitter and through Clubhouse and through Instagram and through patron Patreons, you know, through Discord servers and that sort of thing. So Go ahead. I, well, I have something to say about this because this is so interesting because when we started way back in our clubhouse days and for folks who aren't familiar with clubhouse, it's a lot like how Twitter spaces works. It's live audio conversation, no text conversation, but I started with Teal short. And if you know, Teal, if, if you were somebody that was in those rooms, Teal is somebody that lives in an intentional community in Jesus people in Chicago. And we started kind of under this progressive Christian umbrella but Teal's whole thing was like, it was during quarantine, quarantine, like the heart of quarantine. And he was living essentially in like a college dorm, but for like multi-generational families, right? Like they're in an intentional community. They live there because they want to be in community. And yet they're going to the cafeteria, getting a box dinner and eating it in their own private residence without being in community. And he was like, I can't, I, I need interaction and I need connection in clubhouse with these live conversations feels like it can lead to that. And his whole idea all along was hopefully whatever we build here leads to in-person community because essentially he's, he's very, he was always very fiercely for 
connecting with people in real life. And, and I feel like that, that came to fruition because so many of the connections that we built even back then, and now are building in that same way do lead to that. And as an aside, I just saw that over the weekend, Teal got married. Ah, congrats to Teal. And and his wedding, their wedding was officiated by Pastor Judy, who was on the first episode of Thereafter that you and I did together. So she was our season opener for, I think, season two. And if you, you know, haven't, haven't been around that long, go back and listen. It's, it's, she's an incredible human and um, just Pastor Judy a, is is one of my pastors. Yeah, that's she said that she'd be my pastor. So. I always feel that way when we have like a a pastor on that's um, in, in her style or her vein. And I always feel pastored when we do that interview. So, um, yeah. but yeah, that's I think that's beautiful because seeing now like three years later, um, how many friends and connections I have and, and we both have through what started back there has been amazing. Yeah, I think, I mean, and I think that there's definitely like uh, ableist undertones to that like uh, perspective of like internet friendship not being real friendship yes. because it's like, like that's, you know, especially with COVID and especially with people who are high risk and people who uh, have, you know, are immunocompromised and uh, various other different reasons that people might not be able to go and meet people in the same way that maybe somebody who's not disabled in that way can right. uh, to delegitimize those relationships or those friendships, those connections uh, is, you know, I think there's an ableist undertone to it. And, and it is definitely, like I said, something that I was on the other side of and have really changed my perspective on where at this point, some of my internet friends are and Twitter friends are some of the like dearest friends I have, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, you and I are like best friends and we met on the internet. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, what okay. else happened in the Twitter verse? Something happened on Instagram that I need to unpack. I did not tweet about this. I didn't reply. I didn't engage. I, I want to hear your thoughts. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Jen Hatmaker, who... Oh, um, let's talk about it. Yeah, so she had a post <laughs> for Father's Day, and I just want to say, we're going to talk about Father's Day. I know it's a complicated holiday, and so for folks that have complicated feelings, I want to hold space for that and just be sensitive. And, you know, if, if you want to skip ahead, cause that's just a hard thing. I, I totally understand. But, um, she had a post for father's day that really just did not sit well with me. And essentially it was like, happy father's day to all the moms who carry the weight of everything. And I will say this, I get what she's trying to say. She's trying to give a shout out to single moms that feel unseen or even moms that aren't single that feel like they do it all and are unseen. But I feel like in without adding nuance and just in putting a post like that, you're erasing so many people. And I think there's already a stigmatization of of single dads and of um, dads that may have like a non-traditional dad role, um, quote unquote, I will say, like uh, maybe stay at home dads and, um, you know, dads that take on, you know, different aspects of care that are maybe looked at by society as non-traditional for their gender role, you know? And I, and I just, um, I don't know. I, I, and I saw the dialogue in the discussion and I did see single moms say, Hey, I felt super seen, but I saw a lot of folks that were like, Hey, 
what about like, uh, like single dads here? And like, you know, can we, can we keep this day for the dads and can we really honor and celebrate those moms that are unseen on mother's day, you know? And so it's just this dialogue and, and, you know, there's so many other places that people go with father's day. Cause I feel like people don't have fathers or have complicated relationships with their dads. But this one in particular just made me think, cause I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And I know some single dads that, that are rock stars and, and mm-hmm. do it all. And, and so I just, I don't know. What are your thoughts? So I think, I think my, my thought initially is that we have problems or we come into discourse like this around lots of places where we're using very particular language and labels in a way that kind of fits with the heteronormative mm. platonic family mononormative the nuclear family you know, yeah. What did I say? He's a platonic family, which Oh yeah. I, I feel like we're platonic family, Corlin. We are platonic family. <laughs> Love that. We just made that up. No, I'm sure somebody else did. Anyway, the yes, nuclear, nuclear family. family yes. This, this and 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 just labels, binary labels in general, right? It mm-hmm. it the first thing that came to my mind was a friend, a Twitter friend, um, a trans creator, uh Billy. I don't know her last name. Um, but is this Billy her, is writing? There's a couple of Billy's Billy is writing. writing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And she, in her bio, I, I have her blue sky bio pulled up because I don't have Twitter on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like her bio is like she, her, uh, and you know, several other things, teacher, Jesus observer, pacifist wife and father. Right. And so she is a trans woman who still claims and uses the, the title and the word father, right? Mm-hmm. I know trans mask NB folks who still use the language of daughter or use, you know, various gendered language uh, in certain circumstances. And I think that there's anytime we are having conversations on days like Mother's Day and Father's Day these days that are very gendered and are very, uh, have a ton of subconscious pre-built narratives around them. Nuance is super important. And Mm -hmm. I think that you're right that like outside of that, any type of comment has potential to be, uh, erasing, to be, uh, delegitimizing for certain folks. And so I, you know, I don't know the particular answer. I I don't know that there is like, Hey, this is how we should do that. Right. There's tons of discourse on the internet around gender terminology. And, you know, obviously with like all that's been happening in the transphobic tsunami of conservative meltdown over the last couple years uh this discourse comes up a lot around Mm -hmm. trans issues and trans rights issues um but i think just queer you know conversations in general in terms of uh 
you know, families with two dads, families with two moms, and families that may use some of that language even if those genders aren't the exact type of gender that we would typically expect, I'm using air quotes again, uh, or or, uh, traditionally view in those ways. I just feel like we have to, anytime we're, Anytime we are we are saying something without a lot of context and without a lot of nuance, with possibly a good intent for one party, and we're not considering the intersectionality of this day, term, word, convention, we are risking saying something that we don't actually want to say. And I think that that oftentimes on the internet it's brought up by somebody and the reaction is, oh, how do I apologize and correct and do the right thing? And I, and I don't think that that is necessarily the answer. I think the answer is how do I like observe the subconscious things that were going on in my mind that led me to to say that or led me to think yeah. that way. That's so interesting because um, a, for a couple of things. First of all, I love what you said about our queer creators that are and, and, and queer friends that are trying to kind of make sense of this day. Because also, like, I don't know if you follow Celeste, um, our friend Celeste that I got to meet when I was in L.A., um, she has this is her first Father's Day as after she's transitioned and she, they decided to call it Maddie's day. Cause it was like kind of the combination of like mother and daddy. And it just, it worked out for their family. And she tweeted about that. And it was really this beautiful thing, um, that I, I love to see. And so I think kind of figuring out what that is going to be for you is, is great. And I think the other piece is that's part of why I didn't respond or didn't say anything because I wasn't sure, like you said, it's not like I felt like there was something she needed to do right. It was almost like this, like just making a statement altogether to say this very specific thing did not sit well with me. And I think the, the way that you kind of explained it, it's like, there's not necessarily a right, more right way to do that. It's just maybe that is something to stay away from because on days like this, there isn't a binary and there is a lot of different places that space needs to be held for lots of different people. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just learning how to navigate in a world where we are learning a lot of different intersecting perspectives on things. I remember discourse, I think it was Vi who was on the podcast, had a tweet a while back about, and maybe it wasn't her, maybe it was somebody else. Uh, it, it was a sex worker. Um, I remember specifically and, and them being uncomfortable when people be like, oh, you couldn't be this age. It wasn't her now that I think of it. It was another person. Um, and she was saying like, I get that it's like, you're, you're trying to compliment me. Like, oh, you couldn't be, um, mm. I think this person was like in her forties. You couldn't be in your forties. Like, and, and she was saying like, I get that you're trying to like compliment me by saying that, but the undertone of that is like women in their late forties are not attractive Mm, or women devalue with age or because I don't look my age, I somehow have more value. So like there's all these things where I feel like people, 
it's it, it reminds me of like my friend who's a, a boomer who is always like, well, you just can't, you know, you can't say anything anymore. And I'm right. like, you know, I, 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 I get it <laughs> to some extent, but also like take a minute and let's just be introspective about what we're saying and create more space for conversation and learning and less just statements right and that's mm-hmm. where social media is oftentimes really bad because it is just blurps right it's tweets and blurps and you know statements that hard to put nuance in 140 characters uh and so how do we navigate spaces like twitter and instagram and other social medias in a healthier way that creates open conversation and learning and dialogue and not these uh just statements uh, Mm -hmm. that oftentimes, you know, open uh, up the door for a lot of misunderstanding, possible harm, erasure, et cetera. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting conversation. Yeah. And I think speaking of just kind of related to that and some of the things you said made me think of that, um, there was a lot of dialogue over the last week about the SBC um, kind of just finalizing and cementing their stance against women in leadership and I and I reiterating, I think, not yeah, finalizing, because it's, like, it's like been their stance. <laughs> yeah, I guess I think it was. I, I yeah, it, like there was the whole Rick Warren, and they're like done, you know. And it's like, okay, but I guess like everything that was said on Twitter about this was said, and I feel like not a lot more needs to be said. But I will like, in the sense of like, women should be able to preach. But I guess what I do think was left out of all of that dialogue was the intersectional piece because it was like just so it felt just so focused on women preaching. And I was like, it, it without saying it, it felt like it was white women. <laughs> I, and it just felt a lot like, hey, where is there space for queer women? Where is there space for women of color? Where is there space for Um, The fact that the SBC was birthed out of a racist context, like there's so many aspects of this conversation that just talking about women preaching is it doesn't even scratch the surface of the problematic pieces of the SBC. And, And I don't even know if we need to get into it, but I just like that whole dialogue, I just felt like. It, it, yeah, it's problematic, but it's way more problematic than, than what they were saying on the, on Twitter this week. Cause it's like the, you know, let's, it's not just, oh, women need to preach. It's like, there needs to be an overhaul. This organization is problematic in so many ways. And so like, it's not like, oh, let's get women preaching and then everything will be okay. No fucking way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and and honestly, for me, when I see these conversations, I didn't see any of the SBC stuff. I had one friend who was very involved in SBC, and she texted me some about what was going on. She was like, "I gotta get off Twitter; it's too much." Um, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, she was like, "I just gotta." I deleted it from my phone, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I did that too! Yay! Look at us!" Yeah. Uh, and I I struggled to like believe that they're like i i believe it i know that there are people out but i'm just like wow like what what so many steps back back you know Mm -hmm. like like i i want queer trans polyamorous women to be able to preach you know like like i'm like let's have that conversation let's let's talk about these all of these other intersectional things um 
and sometimes when the conversation gets reduced down, even it's just like that last conversation you had about the Jen Hatmaker Instagram post. It it's like when we reduce it down to this, there's like inherent erasure that happens. Yes, because we are just like we are we are limiting the scope of conversation so much that even if we are on the right side of the conversation, we are missing the actual conversation. We're missing the actual point. Um, yeah. And we see this, you know, with all kinds of internet discourse and all types of different uh, fights for liberation. And again, I think, we're, I feel like we're just on this episode uh, or these episodes oftentimes just like shouting out episodes to go back Reaction. and listen to, but, uh, Robert Monson, you know, that episode we did, um, where he talks about liberation for everybody. And he's like, that's, mm -hmm. that's gotta be the goal. <laughs> like if, well, unless if we forget about that, we're not really doing liberation work. That's my discomfort with this conversation. Cause I feel like a, there's a lot of people that are fighting for women to be able to preach that if that happens, they'll be satisfied. And I'm like, I'm not going to be satisfied. Like that's like, like there's so much more that needs to happen. And uh, like, okay, yeah, maybe, you know, Beth Moore legitimately can stand at a pulpit then in a, a SBC setting. But it's like, I, I, I mean, I, I think I'm like, it doesn't stop there. It's that's like the beginning, if anything, like, I mean, it shouldn't even necessarily be the beginning, but it like it, there should, there isn't like a beginning, middle and end, but it's just like, like you said, it's like, there's still so many people oppressed by that organization that having one conversation about one group of people just feels like, okay, like what, what is that going to even accomplish? Yeah. It's not enough. It's, it's, it is not enough. And in this, I feel like this language applies so well to so many of the conversations we've had about deconstruction spaces in general um, and, you know, changing Christian spaces, progressive spaces. Uh, I use the air quotes again. Sorry. I need to get like a, like some way to like audibly be like, yeah, air I'm using quotes. air quotes. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that, uh, We've had this conversation in so many different ways throughout this podcast and we'll continue to. It really is the subtext of so many of the conversations that we have had and we plan to have here. And the thing about it is that it doesn't, there is not a binary solution. There is not a clear uh, cut like answer to like, oh, this is how we have this conversation. Um, it requires constant pushback. Like they, it requires us to constantly uh, be observing what we're saying and how we're saying these things, what our innate biases are about, even the language that we use to talk about the people involved in these fights for liberation. And and it's it's something that we're just going to continue to have to work at and we need as people participating in this conversation, in this discourse, we need to not only be open to, but inviting in that critical analysis. Yeah. Right. And you, you yep. started this episode by talking about Jared and how like he'll live tweet and be like, Hey, I didn't like that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like we want for there to be critical analysis of all the conversations that we're having, because that's how we expand and we grow. 
Yeah, and the moment we say we've like arrived and and have made it and don't have any more learning to do is the moment that I don't want to have a podcast anymore because it's like that's what's the point? Because yeah, it, yeah, it, a podcast is like audio content, but the the reason we show up and do this is because of the dialogue that comes out of it, and that's I mean that's at the end of the day what what we're here to do is have community and have dialogue. Exactly. Um, yeah. I have one more thing before we wrap. So cool. yeah. What, okay. I saw you tweet about this early on in Pride Month. Isn't there somebody that's trying to say, who is it that's trying to say that the rainbow is appropriation from Noah's Ark? Or, or like, what? what is this? Can you tell me? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a huge Reclaim the Rainbow movement in the, like, alt-right Christian conservative, like, world. Uh, it got sparked, the discourse got sparked on my Twitter underneath, I I said, I had a post, uh, it was penned, I don't think it's penned anymore, but it was like, happy Pride Month from Ken Ham's Ark Encounter, uh, because nice. Ken Ham, who has the Creation Museum and the giant life-size Ark that you can go and visit that I think is in Arkansas, I, I, I don't know, I hope it is, <laughs> that would be hilarious, it's somewhere, It's if it's not Arkansas, it's a state like virtually identical to Arkansas. Uh, and the, uh, lots of people got in the comments and were like, oh, that's not real. He didn't actually do that for pride month. It's because he's reclaiming the rainbow. And a lot of people pointed to an interview that he did where he was like, no, we're reclaiming the rainbow. It was God's promise of, you know, that, that he's never going to flood the world again. Uh, I actually did have, uh, an interesting exchange with somebody on that thread though, because, I like snapped back and was like, I, yeah, right. Isn't that great? They're like, it originally was God's promise that he wasn't going to, you know, kill everyone in the whole world again. And I was like, isn't it great how things like grow and change and evolve? And isn't like gay love so much cooler and better than like not being murdered by God? Uh <laughs> well, here's the thing. There was a reason I brought this up though, because I want somebody, and this could be you, Cortland, this this very somebody could be it. I want somebody to overlay that whole thing with with whoever points out whenever um, there's pictures of Noah's Ark that have two lions with manes and they're both male oh, yeah. lions and they're like, hey, like happy pride, happy like Pride Month to the original Pride, which was the gay lions going on Noah's Ark. And can can somebody just make a profound meme out of them trying to reclaim the rainbow, but also having gay lions on several visual um, yeah there is a demonstrations. meme i'll find it and i'll yes, send it because I there is it. that exact meme does exist and uh yeah it's perfect it is it's great uh i yeah i i there's there's a lot of people that are the the christian extremists who are so loudly homophobic um and use you know those types of narratives like in mm -hmm. terms of like reclaiming the rainbow um are just some of my very least favorite people like like well, i will i, like, I will God, just mute you they I must don't. be exhausted this month because it's like they're working overtime in overdrive to triple down on the hate because it's like you know pride there's so much joy and pride and love and queerness this month that's so gorgeous and beautiful and I just I see them trolling trying to troll so many posts you know and just like being assholes and it's like just can you just 
what can you go to sleep? Like, I don't know, like yeah. just take a little nap because or, or like have have a cup of tea and and just chill out because you're just I just look at you and I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, and ultimately, like there was, I guess, trigger warning, uh, you know, a lot of stuff we talk about on here is can be triggering. But there there was a young, hip, cool uh, alt-right Christian creator who I stumbled on to their, their profile air quotes. Uh, I'm saying young, hip, cool and air quotes. Cause she like has tattoos and like plays video games and shit. And she streams, uh, on Twitch and whatever. Uh, but she's like violently homophobic. And she like made this post about, uh, a church that was doing a pride weekend or something and then was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. And like, she was like, you know, God smites this church and was like celebrating and obviously like stirred up tons of people in the replies saying you're a fucking terrible person, Mm -hmm. um, to start. But like, like I just can't, I, I had to, I muted the person and then I forgot her name. And like, I, I just feel like there is a level of, extremism that like I just have to be gay and happy to Mm -hmm. combat right like you just you are not going to 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 be able to fight with that level of evil I mean I for lack of a better word like just get gayer and be happier and like that's the only way Brian G. Murphy you know talked about on the pod about like being tired of apologetics and not wanting to fight and argue about like, Mm -hmm. is it right? And I, we just want to be gay and happy. And that's the best, uh, response to to that level of, of insanity. Well, and I explicitly said this week, can like, can people, if they want to share a screenshot of the transformed wife, can, can you put a, a content filter over it with sensitive content? Because I I will legit just be going about my like scrolling Twitter and I will be activated for like an hour, you know, like looking at something and there was something she tweeted and I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just like what it was. I'm just going to say, I appreciate having agency over whether I'm going to see what she says or not because she's so activating. And that's the thing. Like I've blocked her and I'm like, you know, the things that she says, um, really hit nerves for me as far as misogyny and patriarchy and all of those things and purity culture. And I just, I, I, I don't go, I can't go there sometimes. And so can, you know, can people just put in like content, it's, you can, there's a setting on Twitter. If, if you don't know how to do it, DM me, I'll show you, you can flag it as sensitive content and you can say why, um, whether it's like, um, whether it's nudity, whether it's, profanity or whether it's just sensitive content and it's sensitive content. And so it's like, it's just helpful. And I, I've seen Celeste ask for that for transphobia. And I've just seen other people say like, Hey, when we're like sharing like Matt Walsh and you know, certain yeah, people, get that it's shit like, off my timeline. Yeah. Like we've, we don't need to, like, we want to curate our feed. So, and I, I, I'm guilty of having shared that stuff. Like I get it, but also it's, yeah. it's nice just to have a warning, like a heads up. Hey, and you don't also, see it's, it, though, it's okay you don't to, to mute accounts that you like because they're activating or yeah. people that you like. I saw somebody, Mason Menega, friend of the show, um, great dude, um, is oftentimes pulling the dredges of Twitter up onto my feed with replies and ratios, and they're wonderful, and he's doing God's work. Um, and I saw somebody tweet at him and be like, hey, I like this is hard for me, and he was like, please, like for unfollow me like un like mm-hmm. mute me like me, yeah. like yep. like like please do that like um 
because he's doing a really specific particular thing um and his shtick is trolling the the obro yes. trolls and mm-hmm. and that's wonderful but it's not for everybody and so like it's okay to mute or block people that you still like and support but like hey that's just not for me yep and i've done that and will continue to when i get back to twitter yes all if right. it's still there when I get back. It'll, yeah, good, good <laughs> caveat. Um, yeah, we, we've done a long mini episode today. So this one, uh, but it was good. I We didn't do time. one last week, so we had a lot to catch up on. Yeah. Um, where can people, well, where can people find you, Cortland? Because now you're not you text in the place. 720. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's gonna, really the only way to like, get. Go through Megan. <laughs> DM Megan and she'll text Cortland and then everybody will be right in the world. No, listen, like. No, you can find me on all the socials. I'm not off the socials. I'm just not checking them with any regularity. And if if you have something really important, if you are a friend of mine or Which you is are, anybody that is listening to this, by the way. Yes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that is true. Like, like, like if, if you feel like, hey, I have something that 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 Cortland really needs to I need his response on quickly. Um, like, like hit me up and like, I will like give you my phone number if I think that that is a situation where like, Hey, yeah, you can have my phone number. Um, but I'm just like, I just don't want, I want to set the expectation that at least through the summer, like it may be a few days, it may be a week or two until I get back with you. Definitely don't like tweet a reply at me. Um, I may not see that at all. So shoot me a DM and just know that it may be a few days, maybe a yeah. couple weeks before I get back. And uh, if it is really important, DM Megan. I'm just yeah, fair. <laughs> it's super fair. I, I am happy to be your administrative assistant, uh, occasional administrative assistant. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, that's just my expectation, but I am not, I'm not getting off. I am at Cortland Coffee everywhere, including Blue Sky now. Uh, and so if you're on the Blue Sky, uh, I got an invite code and I'm over there. It's a goofy place. Uh, they call them skeets instead of tweets because hmm. of the Blue Sky. Uh, okay. The, okay. Apparently the developers really hate it, but the user base has pretty much adopted it. So uh, I'll, I'll be over there skeeting on the Blue Sky. Uh, all right. And I'm at and the there. Pursuing Life um, on all the places, but especially Twitter, I guess, until it, man, if they, if they drop the block fun- function, I don't know. That's the chatter lately. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, on Instagram too. And I want to, you shout it out for uh, Mandy's podcast, Restorative Grief. I also just want to shout out real quick. I just, um, there was an episode of the Leaving Eden podcast that came out today. And I, I did an interview about um, bisexuality. And I just want to shout out to that because um, the folks over there were really great and we had a great conversation on that. So check that out too. Cool. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well as uh, we've got some links to other podcasts that Megan and I have done in the link tree. I don't think I've updated it recently, um, but I will try to do it this week, um, go through and add those other episodes that... Megan has done or that I've done on other podcasts and so thereafterpod.com takes you to our link tree where there are links to all those yeah and if you want to join our Patreon you can check it out patreon.com slash thereafter pod yes and that's it yeah until next time until next time thanks for hanging out with us <laughs>